At the place where Sky Meadow and Swall Meadows roads meet, the community bulletin board stands on two legs, a wooden slab that everyone in the neighborhood passes as they come and go. In the days after the fire, the bulletin board remains. Packs of dust masks and trays for sifting are piled around its legs, and someone posted a notice for a community meeting to be held at the fire station. The afternoon of the meeting was warm, even hot. Most of the neighborhood, those who lost homes, those who didn't, gathered, a blackened meadow at our backs, and beyond that, the mountains. We sat under vinyl tents to eat a Red Cross lunch. A large woman in a white uniform saw me struggling to hold a ketchup bottle and put a hand under my wobbling paper plate. Let me help you, she said, in a voice so tender and helpless, and I thought of the ash I could not wash off my fingers, of chipped beads glinting in a plastic cup. The fire chief spoke, the sheriff spoke, the county supervisor spoke. My father put a hand on my shoulder and gestured at a flock of ravens riding thermals, circling against the mountain. A small wind rose, billowing the tents, and people reached to trap paper plates against the tables. The tablecloths were red plastic, the volunteer firefighters wore navy blue hats and collared shirts embroidered in gold, and they were called to stand at the front while everyone cheered. And then a woman took the microphone and asked that we rise and hold the hand of the person beside us as she read the names of the people whose houses burned and the names of the streets where those houses had stood. While this was happening, the wind moved softly around me like something alive, and I thought of the stories of people driving past the roadblock after the neighborhood was evacuated, evading sheriffs, throwing goats, dogs, cats into cars. I thought of the man with a coop of 30 chickens who stayed as long as he could, who heard a whistling and turned to see a tornado of flame, watched it touch down and rise, touch down and rise, and of the man who could not get his horse into the trailer and so walked it back and forth around patches of burning grass, until finally he had to let it go and drive away. Late on the night of the fire, my brother told my father he was going to save our house. He could get into the neighborhood the back way on an unpaved road. No, my father said, do not. This isn't like other wildfires. The wind is too strong. I'm going, said my brother, and later his girlfriend told me she begged him not to. He followed the dirt road in the dark in his Chevy pickup, and then he saw the fire. It was moving through the pines, hopping between stands of brush. This fire that had raced up the mountain, sometimes at 30 miles per hour. He, turned, he tried to turn around. His wheels sunk in the sand, and the fire advanced. My brother got out and ran. Later, in the bright living room of his new mobile home, doors open, dogs running in and out, he told me he'd never been so terrified in all his 20 years of life. I could feel the heat, he said. I was choking on the smoke. The wind kept knocking me down. I don't know what he thought of as he drove up the highway and turned onto that dirt road, or what he planned to do once he got into the neighborhood. Sometimes there is only the impulse to save. The firefighters gathered before the red tents, and behind them the mountain glowed. Someday... The mountains will see the houses that still stand fall in an earthquake or burn in another fire. But for now, there is the horse that found its way to a safe patch of meadow and the lost cat coaxed from a rock pile, paws lightly burned. 
and the wind blows from the west, from the ocean and over the coastal range until it whistles in the peaks above our heads, troubling a clear sky. <laughs> 